Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G, and I'm a recovered compulsive eater from Maryland. Today's date is Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024. Today we are reading from the big book. We are in the beginning of the doc op. We are on page XXVI, the third paragraph. Starting with, though we work out our solution on the spiritual as well as altruistic plane, going through that paragraph onto the next page, ending in accepting what we have to offer, ending, uh, excuse me, unpacking that one paragraph only. Today's readers are, and thank you to Team Tuesday, Nancy R., Danny P., Lindsay W., Naomi G.B., Newcomer Greeter Karen W., and the host for the second awesome unrecorded hour, Christina G. The reference numbers for yesterday, Monday, January 1st, 2024, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, 20,990, that's 20,990. And for the 10 a.m. meeting Eastern Time yesterday, 20,991. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Lindsay W. to read the 12 steps. Please go ahead, Lindsay. Hopefully you were able to get those up. Yes. Good morning. This is Lindsay W., a compulsive overeater in Houston, Texas. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for stepping up there. Greatly appreciate you. I will now ask for Naomi GB to read the 12 traditions. Please go ahead, Naomi. Yeah, thank you. Good morning, Naomi GB from Ontario, Canada. Grateful uh, recovering uh, compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there's but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, uh, to carry the message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never to be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thank you very much for the opportunity to do service. Thank you so much, Naomi. All right, I bet you're wondering how our meeting works. Well, here we go. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time or hear the timer beeping in the background. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only, please. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. Again, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute your phone. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. 
Today, we resume our study in the big book. We are in the doc op, the doctor's opinion chapter on page XXVI, the third paragraph, starting with though we work out our solution on the spiritual as well as altruistic plane, unpacking that one paragraph. And I'm going to ask Nancy R. to get us started. Go ahead, Nancy. Can't wait. Uh, thanks, Amy. It's Nancy. I'm Nancy R., um, a recovered compulsive overeater from uh, Northwest Illinois. So we work out our solution on the spiritual as well as the altruistic plane. We favor hospitalization for the alcoholic who is very jittery or befogged. More often than not, it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached, as he, is, as he has then a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. Um, while we don't, most of us, oh, I shouldn't even say it that way. Um, you know, there is outpatient and inpatient treatment for um, eating disorders. And years and years ago, I did go to an outpatient program um, uh, for for my eating disorder, and it was it was based on the twelve steps, and it was it was very helpful. Um, and it really did help me to um, have my brain cleared. Um, and not before I was approached, I was already introduced to and, and part of the um, OE community. But um, I remember even going um, into that program, uh, one of the uh, counselors, as I talked to them on the phone, was saying, you know, you can use this time um, to, uh, you know, get abstinent, um, put down your trigger foods, or, you know, you can waste it trying to get them all in before, you know, um, before I um, came into the program and started working it. Um, And I was grateful for the willingness to have put them down um, because as I entered the program, my brain was cleared. And as I think about today, um, as my uh, sponsor worked with me when I first started working the big book on Paul Steps with her, um, you know, it's we talked a lot about having the food down for a, a few days, so let's say three days, um, before we start working the steps. And um, it doesn't say a period of time here, but it does talk about being imperative that our brain it be cleared um and then this part they talk about before being approached but um you know before working the steps so uh, i find that it, it helped me a lot at the time and that i suggest that to my sponsees uh, we do start reading the doctor's opinion uh, but we don't really get to working the steps um, beyond that um, until they have this hospitalization period because we are very jittery and befogged in a very different way than an alcoholic is, but it's still there and our brain does need to be cleared um, before we have um, a better chance of understanding and accepting, you know, these simple steps that um, our crazy alcohol, our crazy um, allergy of the body and compulsion of the mind keeps us from 
wanting to accept. Um, so that's what I have for today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nancy R., for getting us started. All right. So we're going to take some names of people that would like to share, but just a friendly reminder, if you shared on any of the Vision for You meetings in the last couple of days, namely Monday and Friday, we ask that you step aside and allow others to share their experience, strength, and hope as well, so everyone gets a chance. So who would like to share on what was read? Katie G. from Boston. Janet A. Janet Larry A. Melissa All right, C. I've got Kate. All right, hold on a second. I've got Larry K. I've got Melissa C. I've got Katie G. Janet B. There was someone else after Janet B. I missed. Debbie E. UK. Debbie in the UK. Okay. Vasa O. Vasa. Anyone else? Janet A. <clears throat> Did did you get Mary B in the UK? Just checking. Elise. Oh, I thought it was Debbie. Is it Debbie or is it Mary K? There's a Debbie. There's a Debbie in the UK and there's a Mary B in the UK. Okay, well now I have you, Mary B. All right. And Liz E UK. Liz E. All right. All right. Anyone else? I think we got a good group here already. But if there's anyone else. All right. Elise got... N. Elise oh, okay. N. Elise N. All righty. All right. Here's the group. Katie G, Janet B, Larry K, Melissa C, Debbie uh, from UK. Sorry, I missed your last initial. Vasa O, Jen A, Mary B, Liz, K, Liz E, and Elise N. All right. Katie G, let's get it going on, girl. Hey, Amy G. Thanks for taking the meeting. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G. Recovered in Boston. And, um, you know, when I was exercising bulimically and I lost 17 pounds um, eating weight and measured food, um, it was imperative that I understand that my brain was completely off. I didn't cognitively grasp that being underweight that severely um, was changing the way it was changing my memory. It was changing everything. And so thanks be to God, um, you know who you are, who put me in a hospitalization period. And that actually, um, it didn't stop me from working the steps. I'm not familiar with um, doing nothing when I first get clean. Um, I actually had to cling to doing steps. And thanks be to God for my husband, I was able to put myself in a hospitalization period where my life was um, and still is, you know, it's God, recovery. Um, I did hours of work on my recovery program, and then I was of service to my family. Um, because understanding, which means to achieve a grasp, and accepting, which means to receive, like I needed to be in, in a place that I was completely willing. And I remember being terrified. It is terrifying to put on weight in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, and yet it was the best thing I ever did. You know, and um, and it was wonderful to be in the hospitalization period and to just absorb what it is I needed to do. At the same time, I needed to, um, I'm a selfish, self-centered addict, and so I needed to be of service. I remember, and I still do, going to um, shopping malls and putting away um, the grocery carts, things like that, so I'm getting out of myself. You know, and I was thinking as a recovered woman today, what do I need to work on? 
Thank you. I'll get you a new one on understanding and accepting what is being offered. And what is being offered? The 12 steps. And what is what do we get from the 12 steps? I get a spiritual awakening. I get a relationship with God because way before, way before I picked up the bite, I was uncomfortable in my own skin. Being KDG was absolutely horrific. I felt like I should be somebody else doing something else with some other people at some other time. And today, I have that God-shaped void filled with God. Um, And, you know, how am I accepting and receiving God today? Well, when I get disturbed, what does this book have to offer? It offers me a 10th step. Where am I selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and afraid? And But most importantly, I ask God to remove it. I do the work. And how am I helping others? Because any problem that I have in the whole wide world can be answered by God and helping others. And with that, I do pass. Thanks, Amy. Thank you so much, KG. All righty. Janet B., you're up, followed by Larry K. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. This is Janet B., Recovered Compulsive Eater in North Carolina. So yesterday we talked about the allergy, right, The how we're allergic to certain things. And then it says, okay, we work out our solution on the spiritual as well as the altruistic plane. I'm thinking, what? I have a severe cat allergy. If I go near cats, I'm liable to have an asthma attack, get pretty sick. So what do I do? I just stay away from cats. Nobody ever told me I have to work out my cat allergy problem on the spiritual and the altruistic <laughs> plane. So, you know, what's, um, what's the difference here, right? Um, because in our book, in chapter five, it says that once the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. Now, that doesn't mean that I straighten out physically so that I'll be able to eat all those things that my body has a weird reaction to that when I have one, I can't stop and I have to have 1000. But it means I will be able to stay away from them the same way that I've been able to stay away from cats for years and years and years. Without working this out on the spiritual and altruistic plane, I can't help but pick up my my allergy foods, my trigger foods, my binge foods. I can't help it. Because the main problem isn't in isn't the allergy, like it is with cats. It's just a physical allergy and a story. There's something wrong with my spirit. There's something wrong with my brain. And so what's the solution? Our book tells us spiritual and altruistic faith and works, trusting and relying on God. And it's a process. Of course, I didn't come in here doing that learning how to trust him, learning how to surrender to him, and then cleaning up my past. And then I'll just say a word about hospitalization because I've heard people say you have to be abstinent for two days, three days, you know, X amount of time before you can start working the steps. Again, as the book says, I have ceased fighting anything or anyone. I will just tell you my experience. I could not stop binging. I could not stop binging for a day, a week, a month, sometimes I couldn't make it to work without binging. I had I'd gone to an OA meeting, I'd gone to a meeting, I'd been stuffing bagel chips down my throat behind a locked bathroom door right before the meeting. At the meeting, I admitted what I'd been doing, I took a tough as nail sponsor, and I said, I will do whatever you tell me. And then I went out to that parking lot and I said, God, I've always had fixed ideas of what you are like and how to worship you. I'm willing to admit it's all wrong. 
and start over and let you show me what you're like and how to worship you. And that was the end of my compulsive eating. And it's been um, a long time now. And I started working the steps immediately. Um, I've heard that willingness, oh, thanks. I just wrote real quick. Willingness allows grace to enter. And that was my experience. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Janet B. All righty. Larry Kay, grab the mic. You're up. Melissa C., you're next. Hi, Amy. Thanks so much for your service. Grabbing the mic here. Larry Kay, recovered uh, from Chicago. You know, um, coming, to the, coming to this meeting every day in my underwears, that's easy. Uh, that's that's not too difficult. <laughs> I know I just, just gave everyone a very we just lost a bunch of callers, Amy. Um, but 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 putting the food down, that's hard. <laughs> that is very hard. That's why most people do not do it. They try you know, detoxing is just the prerequisite on the pathway to recovery. So, you know, the process of recovery, what I'm here what I'm reading, what I'm interpreting is it doesn't start until we first put down the substance, right? And um and, and that's difficult. That that's a that's a very difficult thing. Because, you know, when I'm eating though, I have to recognize I do not have the mental focus and the clarity to fully engage in the twelve step process. But but here's the kicker with that. <clears throat> I might even acknowledge that, but when I'm eating, I'll convince myself that I do have the clarity, the focus, the capacity to fully engage in the process because I am full of denial and I am a master of rationalization and avoidance of painful ideas and concepts. In other words, when I'm eating, my judgment is impaired. And as long as my judgment is is the least bit impaired, the intensity and the severity of my desire for food, it doesn't de-escalate. It's not alleviated. It escalates. Boy, I, I, don't, I don't think about hostess ho-hos less. I think about them more. So for me, you know, that you, I'm going to go through, through some withdrawal symptoms. Yes, I am. And it's a prerequisite to embarking on this practical program of action. And if I don't put the food down, who then am I want, waiting for me to put the food down on my behalf, you know? And, and the decision to stop using can only be made by me and nobody else. I have the ultimate responsibility of putting the food down before working the steps. And my last point, because this was me, getting ready to get ready to get ready doesn't work because it involves a cycle of, of preparation that's dependent upon a person, me, who is emotionally unstable while I'm eating. I'm waiting for a fantasy to help alleviate my desire for food while I'm continuing to eat food. I mean, you talk about trying to rationalize that, forget about it. So today I recognize and I work with people and I accept that we have to put the food down first. If you're not willing to do that, that's a whole other matter, another conversation. But we must do it first. With that, I pass. Thanks, Amy. Thanks so much, Larry Kay. All right. Melissa C., you're up, followed by Debbie. Good morning. Amy, for your service this morning. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overheater. I live in New York. And, you know, I, I when I hear hospitalization, what I think is, wow, this is pretty serious. Like, this is 
this isn't just um, Melissa needs to lose five pounds or Melissa needs to lose 20 pounds or whatever, um, but it must mean that I'm suffering from something that's, that's pretty serious and pretty deadly. And, you know, um, there were years when I would not understand that. You know, I I wanted to do, I wanted to do OA life. That's really what I wanted. I wanted to fit Overeaters Anonymous into a life that really wasn't working very well, you know. And what this tells me is I've got something pretty serious and I'm going to need, I'm going to need to remove as many distractions as possible as though I'm in the hospital um, and so that I can focus on what? So I can focus on getting well. And part of my getting well, yeah, is removal of my alcoholic food, right? But it's also, how am I going to work out this spiritual solution and be altruistic? And for me, what that meant was um, I needed a lot of support and help. If you're in the hospital, you know, you're not left in the room to suck it out by yourself. You know, you're given care. You know, and one of the things I think is very interesting um, is I know when I've been in the hospital before, one of the things they get, you know, they put your food for you, right? And they actually give you a meal card <laughs> the night before that you're going to pick out everything you're going to eat for the day. Why? Because you're not in a position of, like, making choices about your food and, and what you're going to need all day long. And, you, and you're not in that, you know, you're not capable. You're not well. And I think about, you know, that sounds a lot like recovery. That sounds a lot like abstinence, you know, writing down what I'm going to eat, you know, checking it off. And then, you know, for me, I need a lot of support and help in my, in my early abstinence. And, um, you know, I, I was afraid to go to the supermarket um, because there was so much food there. And it seemed like every time I went there, um, I put something extra in my mouth. You know, or I was having a, a debate down the aisle. And while that's not, you know, avoiding aisles and avoiding places is not my long-term solution, it was part of my hospitalization. And so I needed help in the supermarket, believe it or not. That's how sick I was. Um, and something else that I suggest to people is, like, stay out of the restaurant. Like, that sunk a drunk going to a bar. It just don't belong there in this early part of your treatment until you straighten out spiritually. And part of my solution was help other people ASAP. You know, leave the food alone and help others. Um, thanks for that all count. Thank you so much, Melissa C. All right, Debbie from UK, please go ahead. Did I get Debbie right? Sorry, that's not your timer. Was there not a Debbie? Did I not have that right? Okay. How about Vasa O? Thank you. I'm here. Thank you, Amy, for your service and everybody's service. Sorry. No, no, go ahead, Vasa. You're fine. Okay. Please go ahead. Um, uh, everybody's service this morning. Good sharing. And I'm grateful. Recovered compulsive over here. Calling from Port Charlotte, Florida. We are snowbirds. But again, I remember when I came to my first meeting, 
I was, you know, reading the doctor's opinion. Finally, like there was a name for it. I had been struggling with the food addiction for so long, so many years, and tried to put it down, and I always picked it up, you know. And he, in the doctor's opinion, I'm learning I have the allergy of the body. I never, never thought in my lifetime about the allergy. And, I, and I'm also like an overeater, you know, and uh, the quantities of food I would eat. And uh, I was so relieved to find out what the problem was and what the solution. And I'm grateful. Somebody 12-stepped me for about a week, you know, not without them going to the meeting. And I could identify with her. And uh, I wanted to have what she had. And I was so re- I could not wait to go to my first meeting. And I was so moved, you know, to hear other people's stories this experience and strength. I thought I was the only one, and I said, I'm not the only one. And how many people are struggling out there on this world out there with food that they don't even know about the allergy, or they're not willing to put the the food down, you know, the the, those uh, toxic substances we put in our bodies. But I was ready. I was ready and I was willing. I said, I will do whatever it takes. And at least I found what the na- the name for it. I was compulsive overeater. I had a disease. I had the allergy, and I better do something about it because I'm going to die. I'd get very very sick. And I was ready. Yes, she said, you know, we have to surrender. We have to surrender to a power greater than ourselves. And I said, I will. I'll surrender to anything on anybody just to stop eating. My life became unmanageable, you know, and I could not stop. And uh, that's what I did. The first night I came from the meeting, I was in the bathroom and I surrendered. I said, God, Father, the Savior, whoever you're there, higher power, on my knees, and I was ready and willing on my knees, please forgive me for all the sins I committed in my lifetime. Well, I didn't even know what sins were, your character defects. Please help me with the food addiction. And I, that was the beginning. I went cold turkey. I got up from my prayer, and I went straight in the ba- in the kitchen. I was going to start my diet tomorrow. And the, my higher power said in my head, well, you had your supper. Why would you want to go to the food again? Over again, tomorrow, next week, for that special occasion. I'll wrap it up. Turned around so scared, and I went to bed. But anyways, it works if we work it. And I've been coming and doing this for years. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Jen A, please come on in. Hey, Amy, good morning. This is Jen A, recovered in Colorado. Thanks for your service today and just loving everyone's shares on the meeting this morning. Um, For me, I had never read the doctor's opinion. I never picked up the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous when I first came to the meetings. But I was a willing participant, and I sat in the seat and I listened to what people said. and, uh, you know, I read and dabbled in the literature, and we read along this workbook, and I, I journaled when they told me to journal, and, you know, I just kept coming back. They told me it was going to work. And um, a month after month after month, it wasn't working. Um, and so I was so grateful when they turned me on to a bigger meeting 
um, with actual people who were recovered in it. And that's just like this meeting on a vision for you. Um, when I showed up, a man pulled out the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and, and you know, he, he read from it. And I was kind of blown away and a lot of it seemed a little archaic and kind of, you know, funky dilly with the wording and everything. But, but I listened and, um, you know, I just saw that there was something different that he was doing versus, versus what I had been doing. And that was just journaling and going to meetings. And though there are tools, they're really great, but they're not the practical program of action is what I learned. And I love that there's this guy, this doctor, who's worked with tons of drunks, and here he is giving us his, you know, opinion. And I think his opinion matters. And when he talks mm-hmm. about, um, you know, you can't understand and accept what we have to offer, he's really serious because that was his experience with the drunks in the hospital. And that was my experience, too. I couldn't understand what people were saying, and then I wasn't willing to accept what they had to offer because I was still eating. I wasn't eating white flour and white sugar, but I was still eating, you know, other ingredients. And, you know, even though I thought they were healthy ingredients, um, I was just really dieting and sitting in a way. And when I read this paragraph and it tells me that it's imperative, my brain reminds me that it's required and it's necessary it's essential like this is a command i'm being commanded to put down the food because if i don't put down the food i'm still going to go to meetings and hear wah 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 like charlie brown and that was my experience and i eventually back up so um when i understand these things and i put them into actual application and practice them then that's when the miracle happened And I'm so glad today that you go to Christmas parties, you go to New Year's parties, you're with family, you're with friends, you're doing all this. There is food everywhere, and it doesn't call to me. And then when my phone rings at 8 o'clock last night on the sofa, I'll just finish up Amy by saying this, it's somebody who is doing an outreach call and needs to do a 10-step. Heavens, yeah, I'm going to pick it up. How great it is to be of service to somebody else because somebody was of service to me the day before taking my tent. And that's what we just keep doing for each other. And with that, I'll pass. Super grateful. Thanks, Amy. Thanks so much, Jen. All right. Mary B. followed by Liz E. Go ahead, Mary. I'm a recovered compulsive eater and uh, grateful to have the opportunity to share. Thank you for everybody who's made the meeting possible and participated. And um, yeah, the hospitalisation period is something that I was introduced to this year. I've been in, um, oh sorry, this year, in the last year, uh, in 2023, I've been in OA for 14, nearly 15 years next year. And during that time, I had Whilst I had understood about the physicology and the mental obsession, what had happened for me was that I had, again, as I've heard, not meaning to crochet, but as I've heard a previous sharer say, I had wanted to do OA like. I had wanted to do, to have a food plan which still allowed me to look for a sense of ease and comfort in food that had kept me stuck in mental obsession. And ultimately that ended up in um, what I identify as a relapse situation for me earlier this year. And by the grace of God, I've now been five months back to back. 
abstinent according to a true definition of what the physicality and the mental obsession is. And it, it, it involved going through a hospitalisation period, which I had never really considered seriously in LA before. And the gift that it brought me was it gave me the space that I needed to turn to my higher power to God and just say, look, I now concede to my innermost self that I cannot do this alone. Like, I cannot dress it up. I can't do intuitive eating. I just need to ha be really, really clear and honest about what my physical allergy looks like. And then I can be free. I can be free because once that's given up, you know, it, it then I can see why I go back to it and I, I go back to it. Yeah, you know, I, I have face creams that I'm allergic to. I don't put a face cream on that I'm allergic to and then that brings me out into thoughts or anything like that and then think, oh, you know, I, I don't think, oh, next time I'll try it and maybe I'll stand on one leg and put it on my face and it won't hurt me or next time I'll try it, I'm sure it, it won't bring me out in a big red rash. I never think that. I think, oh my goodness, that, that item burned my skin. I will not touch it again. You know, I have no desire to touch it again. But with eating, oh, I tried every single way to try and get a sense of and comfort out of it. And it just, it's nothing. You know, it's nothing now because I've worked the steps and I can see that, you know, without the spiritual life, it, it, you know, there's a line in the big book that talks about spiritual life is not a theory, we have to live it. The spiritual life is the only life I've got really now in terms of needing that to recover from this awful disease okay. that will send me back. Thank you. will send me back to trying to do what I can't time and time again. And I have found freedom through through honesty and through through that hospitalisation period. So yeah, if anyone's new or struggling, or uh, it, it works, and um, yeah, I'll leave it there. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share today. Thank you, Mary B. Just a friendly reminder, everyone. We are on page um, XXVI in the DACA third paragraph. Um, and we're going to be taking some more names and a couple of people here, so get ready. All right, Liz, followed by Elise. Go ahead, Liz. Good morning. My name is Liz E for Elegant in Bristol in southwest England. And um, thank you, thank you to everybody doing service here today. And for anybody who's not sharing today, anybody who's new, do that star one. It's transformational. Speaking up, I challenged myself to do it at least once, uh, to do it once a week, um, and then share as many meetings as possible because it just helps. I don't know what I'm going to say. I've asked God to speak through me, and uh, kind of point out some words. So things that really this paragraph sticks out for me is, wow. I was in OA for at least seven years before I really understood this chapter. And it was really by coming to vision and the beautiful people here at this meeting that I then found recovery. And it's by working this big book and particularly this page um, and the paragraph before. I don't know how I managed seven years in OA and not understanding about the allergy. And then 
if we focus on this paragraph, the the piece about hospitalisation. Um, and I guess for me, all of this is this word imperative. Somebody with, you know, my mind, um, the word I need to be reminded that this is not a programme I need to do or want to do. It's I have to work it and it's imperative. And that this is, you know, a disease of my brain, a disease of my mind. And these these words are really helpful. And as a sponsor, it's really helpful to help a potential sponsee understand what they mean and help them and support them. That why we're talking about hospitalisation, because if you're brand new, a lot of this language is just quite weird in my opinion, when I came in, for, to be honest, and I didn't really understand it. I felt like I was in a slightly, a completely parallel universe. And what are they talking about? So as a sponsor, it's my responsibility to help unpack this and explain it. Um, and by doing that, it further reinforces me because always as a sponsor, I get way more out of working with newcomers than they ever get out of me talking with them. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, beautiful people. Love Outreach. Thanks a million. Bye. Thanks, Liz E in the UK, Elise N, and then we're going to take some more names. Go ahead. Linda Liz. R. Hi, good morning. Um, and um, <clears throat> I just um, you know, responding to this um, paragraph. Elise, could you introduce yourself, please? Oh. Elise, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Hi, good morning. Sorry about that. Um, no problem. And, and um, I just was going to say that there's, there's, you know, with, um, you know, why would it be true that, that, um, you know, a person, it's best to get a person after a binge. Um, and, you know, why would that be the, the right time to get them? And, you know, if you read like the criteria for binge eating disorder, there's a couple of things that that really, um, you know, you know, somebody eating a large amount of food in a short amount of time and things like that, which a lot of people do on Thanksgiving. So what would make me different than somebody else? And it says um, eating alone or, you know, being dis being embarrassed by how much I eat or being um, disgusted with myself, depressed or very guilty after I overeat. And those are things that, you know, I've met, I used to think that everybody that was overweight needed OA or everybody that, you know, everybody that was overeating should have OA. And that's, you know, that was just my judgment, you know, when I was first starting. And I realized that one of the things that I have that's different than other people is that I get really embarrassed and really, I, I feel really like I'm bad and I feel ashamed and I feel remorse and all of those things after a binge. And that's, and that's why it would be a good time to, if I was, God forbid, binging, be a good time to approach me with something that could help me because I don't want to feel, you know, it's, it's, if I was 
high as the kite, you know, or I was enjoying my food at the, at the time, my brain would be foggy and I wouldn't, it wouldn't be able to get through to me. But, but after the binge, I would feel that disgust and shame and all those feelings. And I don't want to feel those feelings anymore. I really don't want to be eating like that. And it's, it would be a good time to approach. And the other thing I was going to say that, you know, my sponsor had said to me, you know, before we read the steps, you have to have two days clean. For somebody that's binging their brains out, like I was um, when I was in relapse, that sounded like forever. I, I was in the world was I going to do that? And I remember I was on, at the convention and I spoke with Harlan and I asked him that. How do you, how does a person stay abstinent for two days like that? And he said, have you ever been on a diet? Have you ever just white knuckled it? And sure enough, I had. I mean, it was when I was 17. I'm 59 now. It was a while ago. You know, at that, I don't remember the age I was then, but it was a while ago. But I was able to, I didn't, my sponsor didn't just have me the white knuckle it. And I don't do that with my sponsees. She gave me enough podcasts to read, I mean, to listen to and stuff to read and told me I could call her anytime, anytime, day or night. I had the support and I was able to keep those two days read. So anyone struggling out there, keep coming back. My name is Elise and have a great day. Thank you, Elise. Okay, great. Uh, now we're going to take some more um, names. We're on page XXVI, the third paragraph. Who else would like to share? On- uh, Patty Florida, South Carolina. Lisa BT. Kalietta from Texas. <laughs> Betsy P. from South Carolina. Betsy W. from Toronto. Betsy P, Lisa B T, was it Harrietta? Hannah Yetta. Hannah Yetta. Linda R. Linda R. Sue Ann W. Sue Ann. Was it Sue Ann or Lou Ann? Sue Ann. Sue Ann W. Okay, that's probably all we've got time for. Uh, we'll see if we've got any other. I've got Betsy P, Linda, Lisa B T, Hanya, Yada, Linda R, and Sue Ann W. All right, Betsy, please go ahead. Thank you. Um, you know, I was sitting here reading this and thinking about. Um, it's almost been a year, Betsy, January the twenty. Hello. Would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, I'm sorry. Betsy P. from South Carolina, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, Reading this and listening, and I was thinking about almost a year ago. uh, It it will be a year, January the 22nd, if I make it, um, that I stopped eating my alcoholic foods. Um, And I called um, an acquaintance of mine, that I had told me she was in OA because I really knew nothing, absolutely nothing about OA at the time. And she said to me, you know, you, you'll have to go two days without um, eating 
any of your alcoholic foods. And really, the, um, the main one of those was sugar. Although, after those two days, I was able to kind of think through, you know, what all of my trigger foods were. But flour was something that, um, you know, I didn't eat for two days. I, I went with nothing but, like, fruits, vegetables, and meats. And um, was on a pretty strict diet for those two days. And I don't know. At the time, I think what happened was I was just so desperate. I didn't question why I had to do this or anything like that. I just was like, this is what I have to do to get her to give me the answers, you see. I didn't know anything about a vision for you then either. Because, um, you know, she, well, I think she did maybe give me the phone number and have me attend um, uh, my first meeting the next morning. Um, but I didn't know. When I called her, I just didn't know. And um, I just was desperate. And what I said to her was, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And um, so hospitalization, um doing this um, on the spiritual plane, um, you know, whatever she said to me, I was willing at that point to do anything. If she had said to me, um, you know, go get in the bathtub and stay in the ba- stay in a bathtub full of milk for 24 hours, I probably would have done it. You know, I mean, I was that desperate at this point. And and that's the only way I have been able to um, become entirely abstinent. And the only way that I have become um, a vessel through which that power that's greater than me can um, speak, can um, help other people, um and help myself and and i have to be able to help myself too and you know part of helping myself is being entirely abstinent and i haven't been feeling well the last three days Hi. and okay well thank you just be willing to go to any lengths that's i guess that's my point thank you i'll pass thank you so much betsy p from south carolina I was forgetting to say that. Okay, Lisa BT, you're up, followed by Haniada. Go ahead, Lisa. Hi, uh, good morning. This is Lisa BT from uh, Ontario, Canada, near Toronto. Um, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, and um, and grateful too that this meeting is here every day. Wow, what a blessing. Um, I love this chapter because. Um, First of all, I think it's very humbly called the doctor's opinion um, because, in fact, I, I think there, there are some facts that are being presented. Um, and one of the facts is is that when a person is ready, they really need to have that two days, um, you know, to to really get the food out of their system. Um, and that's just that's just physiology um, and as a, a, a um, an addictive person um, I love to make up my version of things um, and um, I, I got my own little insight this this year when it turned out I had a 
a, um, a blocked coronary artery and needed a stent. And um, it was like, oh, uh, um, how did that happen? I know perfectly well my, my eating habits over decades. Um, but if I can't see it, um, I can pretend that it doesn't really matter. Um, and I think that this um, opinion here that the doctor is stating that you really need to have a couple of days, um, they're, they're um, you know, um, not the whole program, but they're, they're to get you started, makes me think of a Venn diagram I saw once, um, which had um, the two circles. So on one side, it had um, addict mind, and on the other side, it had clean mind, and in the middle, it said clear mind. And I really liked that because I, for so long, thought that the opposite of addiction was being clean, which for me often was characterized by white knuckling or assuming I'd have to white knuckle for the rest of my life. I I didn't really know until I got enough sobriety under my belt that benign neutrality was even an option. Like when people said that they baked cookies with their grandchildren, I just thought, how is, it was beyond me. How, how could that even be a thing that people do? Um, but I came to that place eventually. I moved from clean mind to clear mind. Um, so I love the, 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 the progress that's being pointed out here. Um, and, you know, it, it, to me, it's kind of one of the promises of the program. So um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa BT from Ontario, Canada. It looks like I uh, we've only got about two minutes left. So, Haniato, you're going to be our last Good one. Morning. So, Linda R. and Sue Ann, please uh, think about sharing on the next hour. We'd love to hear from you. All right, go ahead, Han- Haniato. Please. My name is Haniato, and for the sake of everybody, let's just spell it H A N A Haniato Y E T T-A, Hanayetta, oh, and I'm from Texas. Please go ahead. Got a minute um, 20. Okay. I just wanted to say that, um, talk about the fact that people had to go into reach into uh, hospitals and uh, and whatever, but, uh, I, and I have gone into hospitals many times, but I did go to a treatment uh, six weeks inpatient um and it was it was quite uh difficult for me just on the fact that i thought i knew everything i had already been in recovery for a while and had a relapse and the um the the person leading would say to me uh she was looking for a page and i said well that's on page 99 you know whatever and um she goes if you know so much why are you here and that was the first thing that really stuck with me is the fact that why was I there if I was so egotistic and I had to really cut down my ego. And so I'm really glad that I, I try to swelch my ego every time I think about it and be humble and just thank my higher power, God, that it's it's him and not me. And, uh, and there's Fine. no I in God. And I don't want to be God anymore, and I don't want my ego to be too flashy. 
And I am very grateful for being here and grateful for the people sharing. I'm grateful for my sponsor and I'm grateful for the 12 step program. Thanks, Bill. And, uh, Bob. That's time. Thank you. Thank you, Hanietta. And thank you, everyone who shared. Please join us for a second awesome unrecorded hour study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today's meeting, Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024, 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 1,994. That's 20994. We will now close the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Uh, Lindsay, I'm sorry, Danny P., could you please go ahead and read a vision for you? Thank you, Amy. Thank you for your amazing service and for all the shares. I'm Danny P. Recovered only by God's grace and mercy. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely need some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you for letting me do service.